Welcome to Old School Jake. You Ben Mangrins with you guys. Uh, we don't normally play clips on Old School, but we're going to play a lot for you guys today. Uh, we got awesome clips from Tucker Carlson, um, Kenneth Copeland, and Paula White. If it's the sound of victory you are looking for today, you will receive it. Um, so if it was maniacal, demonic laughing, you will also receive that. And most of all, you will receive coffee, whether you like it or you don't. Okay. So um, it was speaking of which, of course, our sponsor, twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. This is what you're going to be forced to drink starting January 21st. Okay, you, we'll get to that in a second. And also, uh, of course, the thugs at shoptyt.com. Have you guys seen this awesome shirt? You're fired. Okay. Who's firing in there? Is that... Uh, is that uh... That's Uncle Sam. That's mm-hmm. Uncle Sam firing a petulant Donald Trump. This so, is a uh, good This is a good look to suggest how old you are when you try and read something on Zoom. Like you catch me in this shot here where I'm just trying to get <laughs> close enough to the screen, lowering the glasses where, yeah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I see it, I see it, I see it. That's good. <laughs> that is a telltale sign, to be honest. All right, shoptyt.com for the shirt, twostrongcoffee.com slash tyt for the coffee, progressive, tastes delicious, etc. But uh, in fact, let's just start right there because... It's time. It's time that we make you mother uh, drink coffee. Okay. So, uh, without further ado, the genius of Tucker Carlson. These people seek absolute sameness, total uniformity. You're happy with your corner coffee shop. They want to make you drink Starbucks every day from now until forever, no matter how it tastes. That's the future they promise. Everyone doing the same thing. It's never not funny. Uh, I've now watched it. Probably 12 times. Uh, I've laughed every single time. They're going to make you drink coffee every day from this day to that day. What are you, William Wallace? Except like a weirdo, like capitalist merchandising William Wallace. We will make you drink coffee from this day to your last day to get one chance, just one chance to come and make the right wing. Have delicious coffee. I, uh, I, uh, I mean, it is really the culture wars, man. Like they, they think that that's going to work. And I think as we've learned, I mean, work, I don't even know what work means, but the, like, you know, Tucker's figured it out, right? I mean, it does work, right? You know, so many things they do work and they're like Starbucks, regular people hate Starbucks. Of course, that's not true. Right, everybody. When everybody, company apparently a lot of people like Starbucks. And again, I voted for too strong coffee, but I, you know, and but but apparently a lot of people voted for Starbucks, and and they never got the memo. Right, this is this is the real progressive stuff. If I'd I'd known that Biden and Harris were going to make people go to Starbucks at least once a day, I'd have done more phone banking. Like I'd get, I'd have gotten behind that. Right, that's something I can believe in. Uh, Starbucks <laughs> is like the greatest thing to happen to America in a hundred years, and I know all the left. First of all, the, you know the lefties with the, the, the slave labor and the coffee. Like, man, they, they give people health care. I think you get a free bag of coffee every month if you work there. Part-time workers get health care, and they didn't put any coffee shop out of business that wasn't going to go out of business anyway. When I was growing up, I loved coffee since I was like eight years old. There was nowhere to get coffee until you got home. And now they're everywhere. There's 
competitors to Starbucks. There's local competitors. There's other chains. It's great. If you love coffee, there's now a billion places to get coffee. Thank you, Starbucks. Well, you know, actually, um, for the first time, you, you made me see a serious point in there. Uh, and and I don't mean in terms of, like, Tucker might be onto something here. Should we make them drink coffee? <laughs> um, Commandant, uh, they have drank all drank their coffee uh, as we had originally planned. A line no one ever said. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Like, I can't imagine Trotsky giving a crap whether you drank coffee or not. Like, that's, I mean, what fantasies they live in. Like, they live in this fantasy world where we're like, oh, did they, what, lemonade or iced tea or coffee? What do we make them drink? What delicious thing do we make them drink every day? Um, but the serious point is, uh, he's appealing to populism there in big business, driving out your local corner yeah. or coffee shop right and that did happen and people are mad about local businesses going out of business it largely was not starbucks the number one okay. culprit of course is walmart uh but they're a giant giant advertiser and you better be careful with who you're messing with uh oh, so starbucks is not an advertiser on fox news because they've attacked them a thousand times yeah, it's, it's one of the issues that I have when dealing, when talking about strategy to some leftists, because Walmart is the bigger purveyor, but Walmart, that's not an effective talking point for populism. Walmart has a feel of being a populist place, right? It's where everybody goes. It allows me to get food and a t-shirt and, you know, it's cheap, right? Obviously, people who need, people on a, on a, on a budget need to shop at Walmart. I've needed to shop at Walmart sometimes. I've been frustrated, depending on where I live, that I couldn't get to a Walmart conveniently, because I'm sure you have as well. But we're from a different kind of circumstance, so I get that. But Walmart sounds like the people's company. Starbucks sounds like, you know, Barack Obama and his uh, arugula, right? Um, and that's why it works, right? It both simultaneously appeals to uh, giant corporations controlling your lives, lives, that kind of populism, and coastal elites trying to control you as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a perfect, perfect company for a populist like Tucker Carlson or a pretend populist like Tucker Carlson to use. Yeah, and that's why Tucker is much more sophisticated and savvy than Trump is. So he, he's going to come at these attacks and he's going to hit big business because he sees that polling shows that even the right wing hates big business. Meanwhile, the Democratic leadership is going the opposite direction, uh, kissing the ass of uh, big business. So I, if you're not, I mean, look, I know 2020 just concluded and we just, not, it hasn't even fully concluded. Uh, we kind of took a deep breath here, but watch out for Tucker Carlson and his anti-Starbucks tirades in 2024. It sounds funny, but... Um, he, Trump's, he's definitely Trump sounded funny. There. Trump sounded funny at the beginning, right? Yeah, hostile, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the idea that we care what you drink, or that our lives are so bad that and so boring that we're tracking what right wingers drink. <laughs> I mean, that's, if you're ever going to insult progressives, maybe that's the best way to insult them. Like. Your lives are so vapid, you're bothering to go and, hey, did Bob drink today? Did Sally drink? Et cetera. But um, 
but in terms of uh, attacking big business, that actually is a fascinating turn for Tucker and the right wing to take. So duly noted. But speaking of taking a breath from this election, poll out now, uh, uh, trust in the electoral process uh, has cratered by 50% among Republicans uh, since the election. Of since course. the election. Since the election. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole long-term strategy. I mean, I guess, you know, because I can't believe that all these guys are still for this you know, this con man and this grifter. And I get a lot of them are, and we've underestimated how many are uh, in the in the of elected Republican officials. But I think some just see the value down the road, right? That sort of the more they undermine the electoral process, the more it works for them. The more votes that don't get counted, uh, the more it works for them. Um, you know, what's the number here? Seven of the last eight elections they've lost the popular vote or six of the last seven? Which one? I think which seven one? out of eight. Yeah, I mean, so uh, they got to stop uh, counting votes. And now we've learned that the the worst sign in this election, and this is for America and anybody who thinks that Jank or I would feel differently if it was the other way around and if the Democrats were losing by two or three million votes and winning the Electoral College, I guarantee you we would still be like, well, this is not going to be a good decision for us, but you really got to get rid of the Electoral College. It's crazy. Um yeah, you know Hillary uh, won by three million votes and uh, and lost, and it looks like, given how close things were in so many states in Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, and uh, uh, and and obviously Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, excuse me, that that if uh, uh, that you might need, if you're a Democrat, to win by what Biden's going to win by, you might need to win by five million votes to guarantee that you win the Electoral College. And it's possibility by 2024, it's 6 million votes. So you have to win by like 5% to mean you got to win. And that's, I mean, that is a dangerous thing for a, for a democracy. And Republicans, these, these are, guys are good at this, uh, the professionals, and they see the value of undermining uh, the electoral process. And to they go back real careful, quick. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no. because uh, they're they gonna might get out, accidentally... They're gonna get, because they, they're going to they, get outsmarted by the Democrats? Is that what you're about to say? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, people who watch the show might actually get confused. Like, wait, are they Democrats or Republicans? I don't get it. They seem to hit both. Yes, we do. Um, so, uh, no, uh, the chance of Democratic leadership outsmarting anyone is next to nothing. Um, no, they the Republicans might be outsmarting themselves, not Trump. Trump's just doing it for his own personal benefit. Um, but the more they attack the electoral process, the more it might do for the Republicans what it's done for the Democrats, which is to depress the voter turnout because it feels like, what's the point of voting? So for progressives, they feel that way and a huge part of the Democratic base, even if they're not progressives, just like the average working guy, um, because they think nothing ever changes. So why bother voting for a Democrat? They tell me they're going to stick up for me, but they never do, Right. And so if the, but the Republicans are great at voter turnout. And by the way, they were great in voter turnout in this election. Um, it's just that for the first time, the Democratic uh, giant woke up just because uh, folks yeah. couldn't stand Trump. Um, right. Not because they were like, yeah, Joe Biden, I can't wait, right? What's he gonna do again? Um, anyway, um, and so if the Republican voters start to think like Democratic voters do, there's no point in voting uh, the Republicans might have cut off their nose to spite you know, their face. 
Yeah, and and they actually, you know, again, I'm certainly going to be fall victim to some uh, uh, foolish optimism, but I mean, we ought to be trumpeting uh, that the votes don't count and there's voter fraud right now until January 5th in Georgia or until <laughs> December 5th. You know, like yeah. there's no point in voting. What the hell? Why? Why bother? Right? You're going to get the most votes. And you're not going to win anyway. Um, because you, you know would, what? Uh, That's such a great point, Ben. I'm going to steal it and tweet it out right after the show. All right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> take credit yourself, please. Um, uh, or you write the tweet uh, and I'll retweet it. But, uh, but no, no, I, no, I'm serious. You have to take it. <laughs> I can't. Uh, yeah, it's all yours, baby. Um, uh, but it's a, But by the way, the the Republicans yeah. right now are in the middle of attacking their own Secretary of State in Georgia, saying the uh, the vote was fraudulent and non-transparent, and he's like. No, I'm also a Republican, so F you. Uh, he, not he, true. Wrote, he, he wrote in the thing, essentially, both senators and me were all heartbroken over Donald Trump's defeat. I mean, he wrote those words, basically, right? I mean, that was an incredible statement from a guy who, deep down on some core level, is actually a, takes his job seriously, which is not a hallmark of, uh, of this administration. The Secretary of State, who's in charge of counting votes in the state, is not supposed to say that they're heartbroken over uh, someone's loss. But he's saying it in this context, like, guys, yeah, I, what do you want me to do? I, I'm right. Outside experts have said Georgia actually was the number one most transparent state, right? And and he's like, here they are. There is no actual fraud. You have no evidence of fraud. You're now beginning to accuse people like me of doing things uh, which I wouldn't do if my life depended on it because I wanted Trump to win so bad, right? But like, so what What are you guys doing? And now because you have to appease the Trump base, Loeffler and Purdue, the two Republicans going to the runoffs, both incumbents, current Republican senators have turned on the Secretary of State and they're attacking him. And they're asking for his resignation. We've got to do They're unbelievable. Yeah. We've gotten to a point here in America where, you know, because, I mean, I think of it this way. I mean, by the way, having a secretary of state that is elected is absurd, right? It's one of the many absurd things we vote for. The person who handles elections, who runs the elections, ought to be a professional person who runs elections. In every state, there's a Democrat doing it in Arizona. There's a Republican doing it in uh, in Georgia. It's nonsense. These ought to be professionals. Um, career, I got it, government workers, right? But it is refreshing that a guy who ran for Secretary of State didn't see it merely as a stepping stone to running for Attorney General, Lieutenant Governor, Governor, right? Maybe he does see it as a stepping stone, but uh, he also saw it as a job with serious responsibilities. <laughs> and here it was an election, and he took it seriously because he's a grown-up. So, yeah. you know, Credit to him. I, of course, didn't, as you say, I don't mind at all saying that we, we, you know, were disappointed to see Trump lose because he was doing it to make a point. Yeah. And look, the Republicans have gotten so bad, in my opinion, that the bar is so low that when someone doesn't steal an election, we're like, way to go, uh, Secretary of State of Georgia. You cleared the bar. You didn't actually actively help the rest of the Republicans commit fraud and pretend the Democrats did it. Public servant, yeah. <laughs> but that's literally what we just said.
I mean, and, 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 you know, they have talked so much, there's been so much talk of voter fraud in this country and so little talk other than on the fringes of, uh, of voter suppression. And it's another advantage to telling stories that aren't true, which is, a, I think we have a word for that. Um, but it's, uh, but, the, but, but, uh, but I want to use the word story because it's not just a lie, it's telling a story. It's setting up a narrative that voter fraud is a big problem in this country, where, of course, what's the, the issue is voter suppression. And the voter suppression inevitably uh, affects the most vulnerable voters, right? And those are almost invariably uh, going to vote for a Democratic candidate if they vote at all. And so without those voter suppression tactics that have been so effective in states across the country, and Wisconsin is the prime example, obviously a 20,000 vote Joe Biden win would have been, I don't even know, 100,000, 150,000. Uh, and that's going to hold true in every other state that where a sort of extreme right-wing legislature has attempted to restrict the rights of people to vote. They do it in a lot of different ways, and the ways they and the way they do it is always to talk about no, no. What we're trying to do here is prevent voter fraud, and then that's the narrative. That's what everybody has to talk about, and not the thing that's the most important, cherished principle that we have in the United States of America, which is the franchise, which is a terrible word for it, but the right to vote. Yeah. Um, they're going to make you go to franchises and they're going to make you drink their too strong coffee. By the way, you don't have to drink it. It is optional. <laughs> for now. Sure. For, for yeah, now. that's right. Uh -huh. <laughs> so why do you think we called it too strong if we weren't going to be too strong and make you drink it? Okay. I mean, it's, so, it's also, it, it, it poisons the well about like, you know, one of the few things that that we, we do agree on in this country is that everybody wants the best for their kids. Everybody loves their kids. Everybody would like to get along with their neighbor. And everybody likes food and drink, right? It might not be the same food and drink, but there's, I mean, I, got, I like uh, steak and coffee. I guarantee you, I got friends over there on the other side of the aisle who like steak and coffee. And I don't even know why I picked steak. I mean, I've had one steak in a year. Right. But, you know, I like cheeseburgers and coffee. Um, and here's Tucker Carlson. Like, again, now we got to fight this war. Like, come yeah, on, man. No. By the way, that they also are claiming uh, we're going to ban uh, cheeseburgers and steak. So as long as we're making things up, you know, it's right. OK. And, and the reason why, look, outside of the super, super fringe, no one ever makes anything up on the left. And. And, and you might think, oh, come on, that can't be true. Both sides do it. That's what the cable news tells me all the time. No, they don't, because you will be driven from the Democratic Party uh, so quickly, it'll make your head spin, right? So, like, they they certainly uh, do frustrating framing. Corporate Democrats do, in my opinion, right? And, yeah. and, and I think that they, you know, the media helps them frame it in ways that are misleading, uh, but but in terms of like making up something like the right wing is going to make you eat asparagus every single day, no left winger would ever make that up because they wouldn't have a job the next day. Yeah, here's what you can say normally: the the right, uh, the the political leaders of the right, when in power, will attempt to restrict the right to vote of as many likely Democratic voters as possible. They've done it. 
everywhere across yeah, the board. No. There's not a voting That's rights a expert that wasn't right. It's a fact. Uh, here's what the Democratic Party does do is they don't say enough things that are true. They need to be telling more truths instead of being afraid of many of those truths to sound like Cenk because they run the risk of upsetting the people who uh, who profit from the current system and who fund the campaigns. I mean, there's no there's no question. I mean, we've sat for so many times and just say, why is it so hard to present? I mean, Biden did actually a pretty good job of this. Why don't what's wrong with the phrase tax the rich? Tucker Carlson knows populism works. I don't quite understand why it's so hard for Democrats to do it. It doesn't mean, yeah, every, hey man, if you make half a million bucks a year, your taxes are going to go up. That's it. I'm going to raise them. If you don't want to vote for me, find that, go. I don't care. But I bet you people think that's right. That's what I would do. Oh, and corporations are going to pay some taxes too. You want to leave the country and do your business elsewhere? Go ahead. I don't think you do. This is the United States of America. You'll stay and you'll pay your fair share. You know what you know, pulled uh, best out of every policy proposed in the 2020 election by both sides, uh, the wealth tax. Yeah. Okay, so uh, now look, you, you could say the wealth tax has issues, but if you're running to win an election and it is the single most popular issue in the country and it's on your side of the aisle, you might at least want to think about it, right? <laughs> you might... Yeah. Like Ben said, if you were a savvy politician and you didn't have principles, which I wouldn't be in favor of, but if you were, wouldn't you at least fake it? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. I, I, it perplexes me. And last thing, I know we got to go, but about the like wealth tax, and you say it might have issues. Of course, it might have issues, but that's because the wealth it can mean whatever you want it to mean. So have it mean something that doesn't have issues, right? Fix it. Right? It doesn't have to be what Elizabeth Warren said. Fix it. Call it a tax on extreme wealth and then run on it. And people will vote. And if you do have some principles, then afterwards, try to enact it and then use that money for <laughs> something good. It's not, I, don't even, I, don't, I, I still don't understand how we don't do it. I don't understand it. But anyway, Nancy Pelosi, is a, she's a master negotiator. So. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Uh, one of our episodes is done now. TYT.com slash join to get the full episode. And that's where we'll tell you about uh, the sound of victory and uh, and the sound of maniacal laughter. All right. Uh, back on the Young Turks, uh, old school, uh, Jenk and Ben. Um, uh, we chopped to show up in funny ways. But anyway, one more shout out to our sponsor shop, TYT.com. You're fired. That's Uncle Sam firing Donald Trump. This is my TYT sweatshirt, by the way. Oops, this side. Uh, or hoodie. Um, so shoptyt.com. Uh, I went out to Trader Joe's. And first of all, um, more people watch the Young Turks at Trader Joe's than on TYT.com. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, hey, Jenk, Jenk, I got a mask on. Everybody's like, Jenk, what's up? Oh, I love the shirt. Love the shirt. The non-Young Turks fans are like, they look at the shirt. They're like, yes, yes. Where do I get that? Where do I get that? Um, unsurprising at a Trader Joe's. And that's why we're going to make every Republican go to a Trader Joe's as soon as Biden wins. I mean, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't know how many Trader Joe's or where they are all over the country, but I mean, it's a really high quality uh, food that's uh, not very expensive. I, I can't, I can't imagine that. I, once again, like we talked about in our previous program, I, I'm pretty sure both the right and the left like cheeseburgers and coffee 
and they like a little chicken sandwich that only costs $3.89 and actually seems to have some fresh ingredients. This is quite good. This is a nice lunch. Like, I don't, I, I, fairly, I, I have a tough time believing that there aren't some of the most conservative places in the country wouldn't appreciate a Trader Joe's. Yeah. All right. So uh, let, let's give you a, a little bit of Kenneth Copeland. So this is the um, prosperity preacher who has asked for multiple private jets from his congregation because, I mean, what kind of a poor shepherd would only have one private jet? I mean, I, I remember Jesus being very clear on this count. Uh, as he was throwing out the money changers from the temple, um, you know, a thought just occurred to me that, it, you know, so the old horrible trope stereotype of Jews is they run all the banks, right? Um and the media and <laughs> and all of the rest, right? Okay, all right. Sorry, Ben, gave it away. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but the he'll be most fine. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'll get him back. I'll get him back. Don't worry. Sorry. <laughs> sure, sure. So I were just speaking. <laughs> but the most famous Jew of all <laughs> threw out all the bankers as the very first thing he did. So Jesus Christ, of course, was Jewish, and he went to the temple where the money changers were and he threw all their asses out and still we get the stereotype um okay uh so anyways uh copeland uh thinks no jesus wouldn't throwing out the money changers. no 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 no. jesus of course wants doesn't want me to go on a tube filled with demons that's what he called a regular airplane and the demons by the way would be you and that's what, went, he, that's oh, what he called a regular airplane before COVID, right? Yeah. In yep. order to get his uh, flock to give him money to buy an incredibly expensive personal jet, just so people. And that story is uh, undoubtedly true. There's no ambiguity in that story. You can't make a guy like Kenneth Copeland fly in a tube full of demons. Yeah. So, uh, if you thought that was crazy, you will enjoy this new clip uh, where Copeland is amused, to say the least, at the idea that Joe Biden would win. This was after the election, by the way. The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. Ha 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 
laugh like Kenneth Copeland in a movie, wouldn't you trash the movie as being too over the top, like a B-rate movie where you had this caricature that was so unbelievable that it almost ruined the movie? Yeah. Uh, or the character in the movie was designed to be over the top like that, right? Like the Hunger Games characters. Like that's to me what it sounded like was a character from the Hunger Games, like Stanley Tucci's character, not quite because he was classy. Um, in the uh, and there's and Stanley Tucci's never given a bad performance, um, so yeah, it is a it is a caricature, and I, I got no. I actually legitimately I don't have a beef with the people who follow him. I got it, everybody, but he he's that's a terrible thing that he's doing, right? I mean, it's just uh, and it's disturbing. It's hard not to find his performance disturbing. It's also very hard. I don't know whether you probably haven't tried it, so. Try laughing like that for 30 seconds and then saying anything else afterwards. I mean, your throat hurts, it burns, you have to cough, you got, I mean, I do, <clears throat> you know, there's a tremendous amount, like I don't, I wanna see the next minute of what happened uh, after that. But uh, uh, it was, uh, I mean, I've watched it about 35 times now. Um, it's, uh, it's a stunning piece of video. I just don't get it, man. We live on different, planets we just do like uh god love you but how do you think that guy's on the level that's just amazing yeah that's right, the yeah. thing right, right that's the thing is, how, is is that there's just a con man quality to him there's a con man quality to donald trump say what you want about george w bush he did not seem like a con man Dick cheney didn't seem like a con man right these guys don rumsfeld didn't seem like a con man and then, obviously, the first Bush and, and Reagan and Gerald Ford, Bob Dole, John McCain, Mitt Romney, the guys you might disagree with, but you didn't feel like they were con men. And, and Trump and, and Kenneth Copeland, this is a different world uh, we've entered into. And then when you see Tucker Carlson, who we played the clip from in the last hour, you're like, oh, here's a guy who delivers that same point but doesn't seem as scary. And that makes him dangerous, particularly dangerous. All right, now, the Paula White clips, this is uh, Trump's televangelist, whatever that means. I guess that with Trump, that usually means he finds her attractive, and hence he decided to settle on her. Like, he doesn't, it's not, he's not attending her church. He just brings her every once in a while to the White House more than he brings other televangelists. Anyway, so Paula White uh, is going to tell us about uh, Angel's Dispatch from Africa. And as you listen to this, no, she is not speaking a foreign language that is a made-up language and i colloquially called speaking in tongues so let's let's find out for angels are being released right now angels are being dispatched right now hamanda ata ata rata teda baka sanda ata ambo osa tata rite eke banda ata rike didi ashata for angels have even been dispatched from africa right now africa right now africa right now from africa right now they're coming here they're coming here in the name of jesus from south america they're coming here they're coming here okay so that's less disturbing than copeland uh, that's more fun. Uh, I think she actually would have had a pretty good career as a rapper uh, and then might have tried to help uh, Donald Trump by getting on the ballot in Minnesota at a later time. Um, and, and of course, Ben, uh, before we get into any of the substance, like, like why were the angels dispatched from Africa in particular and who dispatched them? 
and why did they not arrive in time for the election? Those are all good questions. Uh, but of course, the main question everybody's asking is, who's the guy in the back? Yeah, who's the guy in the background? I mean, it looks like a really good troll, right? <laughs> I mean, because he's just walking, reading a notebook. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't care what this woman's doing, right? It's a, it's that old way of like, you know, at a Klan rally, you sort of walk across the street on your phone. Like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't, I didn't see you here. <laughs> you're wearing a sheet, right? It's sort of you're, you're mocking the absurdity by, uh, again, just sort of passing back behind. But then you're telling me that this is not, uh, that, that he's, because you see him, the think clip goes on, you see him come back and forth and back and forth, but no security removes him. So you're saying he's part of the, he's part of the show. Yeah, I watched a longer clip. Uh, that, that's what he's doing. And um, yeah, he's, he's part of the festivities. But do look, we know I, that I, for sure? Do we know he's on her team? Do we? I mean, then what's he doing? If he's part of the thing, then then he should be disciplined, like he's distracting <laughs> from the main show. I mean, like it's not like Bruce Springsteen's one of the roadies can just sort of walk across the stage while Bruce is singing with like a notebook in his hand, like, "Hey, man, we're on stage. You're gonna get yeah. fired." Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, well, look, that goes to to first of all, Anna's theory was he's studying for midterms and. To be fair to him, Calc is hard, and he's got to just squeeze it in wherever he can. And he, and he too, was looking for the uh, sound of victory in his calculus exam. Um, and so that's why he showed up. But uh, but it, it goes to the point of we, we live in different worlds, because this is less like, ha-ha. It's more like, I just don't understand, because I'm not religious, so I, I don't get it. What, is it normal for a, rando to walk behind the preacher um and i think that it must have been a more informal bible study or something along those lines um rather than like this big thing sermon on a sunday i guess uh, and i look we'll show you the next clip i i also don't know what an the sound of abundance of rain is <laughs> like it, it probably means something to to like religious folks i, I don't know to but me, isn't that, isn't that coming up in the next clip, or is that the one yeah, that we just yeah? Said? Yeah, I so think, before, yeah, let's watch. But before, yeah. well, hold on. All right, before we get to that one, because I want to, I want uh, you to remember the phrase before you see this next one, the Africa right now, and then we'll play this one, and then we'll come back and relate it to the first. Okay. Strike and 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 strike until you have victory. For every enemy that is aligned against you, let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. For I hear victory, victory, victory. I mean, I, like, uh, I, I, I just can't decipher it. I, I don't know what the sound of the abundance of rain sounds like. Uh, you know, I can't, if, if in my circle of friends and people I know, if someone got up and started saying, Aka Baka, Kandahar, Tbilisi, Baka, Taka, we would literally call an ambulance. I'm not kidding. We would literally call an ambulance like they're having a seizure, there's something wrong with them, etc. And people go to her church and think, well, obviously, Aka, Baka, Daka. Um, so I uh, have many thoughts on that. She has a very interesting 
history, which we can get into at another time. Um, one could argue, <laughs> one could argue that there's a, a grifter component to her as well. It could be, of understood. course, she's a televangelist. <laughs> um, of course, he, he's a grifter. But, uh, but first of all, that guy is trolling her campaign. He's not part of it. I don't know what it is. I need some investigative reporter to get it. He's not part of it. Nobody would do that. He walks back and forth. There's no way. He's messing with her. And because you see there's like no security happening, although you can see in one of the clips that someone in the front is kind of getting into it, and it looks like there are some people in the audience. So no one would walk behind anyone doing that. Like, whoever that guy is, I suggest that secretly an American hero. But I don't, that's my, I will stay with it. But so in the first clip, she repeated, like her sort of the chorus was, Africa right now, Africa right now, Africa right now, Africa right now, which makes no sense as the, that's not what was going to catch people, right? The, it was the angels, not from Africa right now. That's really not the, I think she missed the point. But you say, I hear the sound of victory. Uh, I hear the sound of abundance rain. I hear the sound of victory. Like she got a rhythm going there. Like I at least got the song there. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound of victory. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I hear the sound of victory. Like, I get what would happen. Like, you'd be into that. And then everything else was, I hear the sound of victory. So I just thought it was much more impressive performance in the second one than the first. Like, if you were going to send out her tape to televangelist schools, I would definitely use clip two. Well, Ben, I have two things to say to that. One is akabakataka. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay, good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Aha. Uh -huh. So, uh, secondly, there's some chance that after that clip uh, went viral, she pulled that guy studying for the calc exam aside and told him. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Uh, I don't know. If he was working there, he had a funny way of showing it. Uh, but, yes, uh, I am. I, there's no way we're ever going to find out who that guy was. But, but you got <laughs> at some point, the young Jewish audience did fund a investigative reporting team. So I, I wonder if, if, if we could look into it. Anyway, um, so look, I don't know how these two worlds are gonna meet. Uh, and I, you know, um, so I know that speaking in tongues is something that a couple of different churches do, the Pentecostal most often. Uh, and, uh, and I know that they, you know, and I got friends of mine who used to belong in churches uh, where they spoke in tongues. Um, but it's the year 2020. I mean, that's... It, 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 doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't... You can go ahead and speak in tongues. It's fine. The danger is that this is a spiritual advisor to the President of the United States. I mean, it's not. Donald Trump doesn't need a spiritual advisor. You know, that's not <laughs> It's not a real thing for him. But, uh, uh, yeah, the danger is when, the, when that gets to the axis of... I mean, you know, the, to the access and access to power, access of and access to. And, and that's the, you know, I mean, it's funny. That's when you talk about what the framers wanted. I mean, the framers didn't want an electoral college, right? They didn't know what this was going to be now. And every argument that uh, the right uses to justify it is not, um, is not based in any logical history. They did want a separation of the church and the state, right? That actually mattered to them. Doesn't mean a president can't have a spiritual advisor. It does mean that the spiritual advisor should not affect the policy, which affects 300 million people. 
Um, yeah, believe it or not, there was a time where I didn't eat bacon. I know it seems unbelievable, but it, it did exist. Uh, I uh, was a practicing Muslim kind of when I was younger, right? Um, we were secular Muslims uh, when I was growing up. And then for one year in college, uh, I practiced to the best of my ability. I mean, you're supposed to pray five times a day and you're supposed to have get up at like five in the morning to do the first one. Let's keep it real, that one never gonna happen, okay? <laughs> but I didn't eat ham, I didn't eat bacon, uh, I didn't drink, and you know, what else you want from a dude, right? Did you pray, did you pray every day at least once a day? Uh, okay, I don't know that. I guess I never told you this. Um, uh, I would pray five times once instead of praying five different times. Oh, yeah, times, that's right. I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah, right? Right. And I would do the one prayer that I knew, the one Muslim prayer that I knew uh, five times in uh, when I was showering. Um, and okay. yeah, and you're supposed to do it as a cleansing thing. So it made sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you yeah, were I mean, making it cheat, you do it yeah. in a way that's logical. You were making Islam work for you. I think that's in a sense that's that's beautiful. Yeah, uh, and so if you're religious, like I've been there, brothers and sisters, I had all these fun uh, and not fun, completely wrong thoughts in my head, uh, and like, and I wrestled with it, man. I wrestled with it. I did. So I've been there, um, but uh, but at the end of the day, like, two things are important. One, we can't have a, a president that listens to fundamentalists of any religion, uh, because they will, then if you're gonna do policy based on things that don't make sense, then we've got real, real trouble. On the other hand, I'm with Ben and I'm with the founders on this one. Like as as in, honestly insane as I find it to be, um, I don't care if you do it on your own time. I, I don't care at all. Like I'm not gonna make you drink coffee and I'm not gonna make you uh, not root for the sound of the abundance of rain. Uh, you could akabaka all day long, uh, you know, with Chewbacca uh, if you want. Why would it bother me? It doesn't bother me at all. Have at it, Hoss. Like, as long as it doesn't touch the government, it doesn't touch our lives, hence we would be for freedom, uh, yeah. then akabaka, who cares? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I even, I mean, if it gives you, if there's part of this, and of course it's not all that her faith is, if it gives you some peace, and it gives you your family some peace to, speak in tongues, then you feel more connected uh, to your Lord, to your Savior. I, I'm, I'm even in favor of it, but it's got no business uh, 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 near the governing of the, you know, beacon of hope and freedom around the world, this great country. That's just, and that's as obvious as there can be. And it was a great, great ending to the remake of Cape Fear, right? I mean, are we supposed to go back and reevaluate that now and be like, you know what? As De Niro was drowning there, he was making a lot of sense. <laughs> no, actually, the thing that he was saying in, in, while he was speaking in tongues uh, was way off. Is that a thing, by the way? Is that like, can people go, oh, that's a good point, or that's a bad point when someone's speaking in tongues? Um, by the, of course, we don't know the answer to that, but, it's a but I, I am asking a little question. Do people pretend to understand what others are saying when they speak in tongue. Yeah, I'm sorry, what? What was that? <laughs> That's a good one. Can you repeat that? Because my, my wife was in the in the, in the back room and she didn't hear, you know. Yeah. Be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, has, has anyone ever heard Akabaka Chewbacca and thought, that is outrageous? No, of course not. Paka, Taka, yeah. Tupaka, right? Is yeah, that a, I mean, like they go back and forth? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know, man. Again, the the grifterish nature of it. Like, I got it, man. I got it. People have, you know, my mom grew up in a devoutly Mormon household. My dad grew up in a kosher home. You know, religion was a big part of their lives. It wasn't a big part of mine because they both deliberately removed themselves from it. It was an easier process for my father than my mother. But, you know, I, I, I get it, man. It, but but you, you don't get to, you're not the only faith out there. And you have to constantly know that you're not the only faith out there. Otherwise, you're not being true to your own faith. So, uh, yeah, and it just feels like they don't know. It feels like Kenneth Copeland and 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 Paula Wright and Paula White uh, don't know that they're just they're too certain. And uh, and the most interesting uh, people of faith, uh, they weren't certain. You know, um, you know. Look, man, our favorite. You know, I mean, Christ, it's been so tarnished because so many people use him and you know the way the right-wingers who tried to restrict the vote you know refer to martin luther king is sickening right mm. but you and i both have for all our conscious lives really uh, admired dr king who doesn't what american doesn't like you know anytime i'm with a leftist who criticizes religion i'm like you know he was a reverend and a man of enormous faith from the day he was born until the day he died, he was a believer. So, you know, there is a, a critical and vital role for religion to play in the United States moving forward. It's just going to play one whether you like it or not. Um, but uh, uh, but there is a way to uh, to be inclusive when you're doing it, to include people even who are not of your faith. And there's a way to be exclusive uh, with it. And, and And I think we know who falls on what side. Yeah, super last thing, uh, real quick here. Uh, so, look, um, when uh, Martin Luther King talked about Jesus, and he did often in his speeches, uh, when he gets that part in the speech, uh, I, you know, I obviously don't believe in Jesus. Uh, although I, I believe in Martin Luther King's version of Jesus. Um, I, I, whether it was true or not true, I, I like that that's what drove him, that person. Uh, and he, but he would always talk about justice and taking care of one another, and and MLK's version of Jesus was awesome. If we if we had that Jesus, then I think a lot more people would believe. Uh, and then, you know, but it doesn't matter. Even if you're right, your religion uh, is not supposed to influence government. That's not how it works. Uh, but but if it doesn't influence government, I, I I can't emphasize this enough. I really. It's not my business to judge your religion as long as it doesn't affect me or anyone else. Okay. So, all right. Uh, thank you to everybody who watched uh, these episodes. We still have more, actually. Uh, that's for just the members. TYT.com slash join to become a member. Okay. So, last portion uh, here. Uh, ben, obviously, I start with Aka Baka Baklava. Uh, over to you. Um, <laughs> isn't, uh, isn't, uh, baklava Greek? Okay. So that leads me into a fun story. Okay. Uh, I'll probably do a, a live video about this, but since we're recording this on Monday and some of you will have seen that, but we're airing this on Tuesday. Some of you will have already seen this, even though it doesn't quite exist yet. Ooh, trippy. Um, so the vaccine came out today. That's awesome. Uh, and it didn't come out, come out. The news came out that it is going to uh, 
likely be approved in December, and we can likely start taking it uh, next year, including as early as spring. Um, so that's fantastic news. But here's a fun little heartwarming um, part of it. Um, so two companies worked on it, Pfizer and uh, Bio and Tech or something like that. Oh, yeah, but uh, I, can't, I can't tell Biotech, but there looks like there's a, it's like a burger joint. It's like Bio and Tech. Yeah, like in and out, except it's Bio and Tech, and we saved <laughs> right. all of your lives. Um, <laughs> so... It's uh, it's a German company started by Turkish immigrants. Um, oh. Yeah, that's right. I saw that. That's right. Yeah, and so uh, first of all, fun uh, aside here, uh, my parents told me about it a long time ago. They're like, you know, one of the top um, scientists working on a vaccine who has the best chance of uh, getting it are actually Turks. I'm like, sure they are. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so and so is Abraham Lincoln and Elvis Presley. We've been through this, right? But in this case, it turns out they were right. They were Turkish immigrants to Germany. Um, the guys, uh, there, uh, but there's two other great, like, heartwarming parts of the story. First of all, uh, they're Turkish immigrants here. Uh, the Pfizer CEO is a Greek immigrant. So a Greek Im immigrant to America and Turkish immigrants to Germany work together to save the world. That's awesome. Yeah, build a wall. <laughs> right. I mean, if ever there was like a, a story that should convince you, maybe we'll let the immigrants in, right? Here's the thing: it might it might end up saving the entire planet. Yeah, and so uh, the the husband in the relationship, uh, Ur Shine, uh, his dad came over to work at a Ford plant, um, and so it's just a you know an hourly worker. Uh, working in a Ford plant in Germany, in Cologne, Germany. Uh, and and then his son gets an education in Germany and winds up being becoming a scientist. And now this is the second heartwarming part. Uh, their uh, husband and wife uh, team, and they met each other uh, while studying science. And they're so obsessed with science that they were in the lab the day of their wedding. Like, they did got some working in the lab and then went and got married. Okay, um, and that's that's remarkable. Uh, and and the, the thank God they never got divorced. Otherwise, <laughs> we right. might not have had a vaccine for at least another six months. And God knows how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people would have died, even if someone else were to come up with a vaccine, but at a later time. Um, and that's great, man. That's that like that's like one of only two couples I've ever heard of working together. And it worked. And in this case, it worked spectacularly. Yeah. And and then, of course, I mean, look, man, this goes to character, right? I mean, and maybe other people don't judge the things that, that you and I judge to be standards of character. But you and I, I hope, and I'm, I'm confident, would never take credit for something we didn't do. Like if somebody goes, oh, my God, Ben, I cannot believe you did that. That kid was on the fire and you ran out there and you threw your coat on him. It could have hurt you. That was really brave. I don't go, well, you know, you, you, look, man, I think you'd have done the same thing in your situation. If I didn't do it, I go, <laughs> no, I didn't do it. I hope I would have, but I, I didn't. I didn't do it. You got, you got the wrong guy, you know. But Mike Pence, I mean, who sat there and did, by all accounts, nothing while running the coronavirus task force. Next to may have heard it, 
right? I mean, no, it may have like exacerbated the situation in many ways. Uh, stands up and be like, hey, there's a vaccine. Uh, our little uh, task force uh, worked. It's a great day for America. And it couches it. You can't really complain because it is a great day for America, as it's a great day for everybody in the world struggling with this virus. But it had nothing to do with the tax task force. Um, nothing. Pfizer and BioNTech, if that's how we say it. Uh, they weren't part of this at all. Rejected federal funds completely. And of course, they took them nine seconds to respond to the vice president and go, no, that's actually, that's not what happened at all. Didn't have anything to do with the Trump administration. I suspect because they're scientists and smart and did not want to get themselves caught up in that milieu of toxicity and disinformation. Yeah. I'm not so going to pretend that I don't like, not going to pretend that I don't like how that soundbite wrapped up. That was good. <laughs> well, look, uh, now, here's a fun little conspiracy uh, that I don't necessarily believe, and that is against us, okay, um, but has some plausibility. So Pfizer and, and Bio and in and out um, uh, did not take money as part of Operation Warp Speed. So could they have been like a, a little bit like bitter about their competitors getting billions of dollars for free. I don't, I have no idea. They didn't take the money. So maybe they're not at all bitter. Right. Uh, but they certainly weren't part of it. Uh, they get, uh, they're part of it in the back end in the distribution, but that's a wholly separate thing and doesn't have anything to do with the creation of it. Um, and remember, uh, biotech is run by, uh, two Turkish people. Right. And, uh, by the way, his name means good luck. Um, and that turned out to be true. And her name is Özlem, and uh, that's my cousin's name. So uh, I'm a tiny bit proud of that. Um, proud of what? Someone with my cousin's name did something good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, and, you know, uh, of course, Trump uh, famously said that he wanted a total and complete shutdown uh, of Muslims entering America. Um, now, they're in Germany. They're not in America, obviously. But uh, the conspiracy theory is they held it after the election was over, uh, the news that they had the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, well, first <laughs> of all, I mean, not, but if they did, uh, and uh, you know, and they told me forty years from now, I might be like, hmm, interestingly yeah, I, played. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess they didn't because one of the reasons why they didn't take the money is because they, again, I, I, that's what I'm imagining is they didn't want to get caught up in that. And of course, yes, there's money on the back end. There's help on the back end with the distribution. But every, as Pfizer has pointed out, every R&D dollar uh, was put up by the company. Um, so look, man, the independence of scientists that we have fought for is the independence of scientists, right? They have to be the ones making the decision. So, yeah, could they have waited until six days after the election to announce it? I suppose. But no one thought this could happen before November. No one, right? You know, Trump lied about, I don't know, he couldn't even sell a lie. He even usually said December, right? I think we'll have a vaccine by the end of the year. So, the overwhelming likelihood is that this is when it came out. It's not even done. It's not even proven yet, right? It hasn't had every set of trial. It's just the this stage of the trial went so incredibly well that now they're incredibly optimistic. So, no, of course, the overwhelming likelihood is they made the announcement when they had the announcement. They might have known at the end of last week they waited through the weekend, you know. Yeah. Um, now, look, scientists are the least likely to hold 
some scientific breakthrough uh, for political reasons. Uh, doesn't mean it's not possible, but they are the least likely. And uh, remember, the other end of this is that they're probably going to make billions of dollars. So probably not a news item you want to hold because another company might beat you to it, yeah. in yeah, which course. case, oops, that was a massive, massive mistake, right? Yeah. And, and so that and, is very unlikely. Yeah, it's a guarantee that they would risk not being first with this because they wanted to hold something that in the last couple of days of the election almost certainly wouldn't have made a difference. Like how long ago did they know? Was it three weeks out? Um, it's just, it's not, and then here's the deal. If that's true, this nonsense conspiracy theory, we'll hear about it because there are reporters, some of them with a right-wing lean, but I guarantee, sorry to tell you, many reporters who are just in the middle who would love that story. That story would win them a Pulitzer Prize. And like every right-winger and left-winger who doesn't think Russia interfered in the election, oh, why would we believe the intelligence community, the same people who told us about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? Suggest to me they haven't read one actual story about how that intelligence fiasco happened, and there's like a thousand great stories about how it did happen. Um, we'll hear about it. Because someone involved in it will tell their story. And notice how not one intelligence official in that vast intelligence community, nobody was like, they're making it up about Russia. They didn't interfere, right? No one. There's not one story. Not one person leaked this incredible story. And not one reporter eager to debunk the story could come up with that story. So I will tell you that if sometime in the next four weeks you don't hear that that happened here, then guess what? It wasn't a conspiracy to wait until after the election. We knew it was coming in the fall. It's the fall. Yeah. So, I but I like the idea of the movie in my head where where they did do it, and and I like the idea of Özlem uh, uh, saying, "Oh, we have it, but the election is not settled yet. Why don't you Why don't you run the numbers one more time?" Or right, maybe, coming, or right. maybe three more times. Right, coming up with the like. Okay, <laughs> we don't want to make the announcement if we're not absolutely sure. Right, right, right. Okay, so take a deep breath. <laughs> Wait a week. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, By the way, another great part of the story is that is a a, a female scientist who saved the world. Um, so uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Fingers crossed that it um, right that it holds up, and then and we're going to see now what the another whole issue is, and what we were were uh, incredibly unprepared for under the Trump administration. Hopefully, under a Biden administration, can get up to speed quickly. Is the ability to to distribute? I mean, they didn't do they, they these guys weren't good at anything about government. Nothing they were good at. They gave a huge tax cut to people. They they managed to pull that off, but that again, they don't have to implement that, right? So. They just had to push it through. Things that required actual work of getting the smartest people running the smartest things, they couldn't do ever. So hopefully yeah. distribution, which is going to be really tricky, will be uh, will be handled well and you know and and handled in a manner that gets this to people quickly. You know, I remember this uh, story really stays with me, and I, I told you this back in 2016. Uh, I was taking an Uber ride in uh, Philly because that's where the Democratic Convention was. And it was a former truck driver, and we talked for a while because our hotel was in 
New Jersey very far away at a Howard Johnson's because that's all we could afford. Uh, and uh, and we had a long conversation, and he was a Democrat, lifelong Democrat, uh, but uh, he hated Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, and when I asked him why about Hillary, half of his answers or two-thirds of things he said make sense, right? She's for the rich, I know it, she's not for us, blah, 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 right? I would have voted for Bernie. Okay, everything's going fine. Then he says, plus, she's abroad, you know, right? And with no like irony, no like he meant ex like flat out meant exactly that as if he was from 1935. Um, and uh, and so I'd love to talk to that guy and go, hey, that broad just invented the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> like you're solved coronavirus. What did you invent? Right. Yeah. What did you invent, pal? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, last thing is, uh, it, I I know what actually happened at Bio in McDonald's. I think, it's, I think I'm going to go with BioNTech. BioNTech, BioNTech. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Ur Tursuzdami says, "I hear the sound of victory. I hear the sound of victory." <laughs> <laughs> and Ben, if I ever, like, if you think, if I'm in, ever in a situation where I'm in a contest or something and the, um, and the outcome is unclear and I text you just the words, the abundance of rain, totally. you'll know. I, yeah, I'll, I'll just have to, I'll just say that. <laughs> I, I, again, I'll give Paul White credit that I hear the sound of victory is stuck in my head and it's a pretty good beat. Yeah. So real quick, let me just say that if you watch on uh, Apple TV, you know, the album, Bruce Springsteen's new album is amazing, but the, the documentary about them making it and seeing ba the band, these smart guys put together these songs. And it just reminds me that like, you know, that Stephen Van Zandt would say to Bruce, like, yeah, I don't know if Africa right now, Africa right now, Africa right now is really the kind of the beat that we want. You know, it's not like, like, I like that other one you had other way you could repeat that. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound. Like, let's hit, let's hit that. Let's hit that. And then you make a song. So we just were seeing, like, we were seeing, Paul. it did seem like we were seeing Paula White uh, in the video we had a couple of shows ago. It did seem like a rehearsal, right? Yeah. Like it did, there well, was a rehearsal-like quality to it. You know, uh, as usual, we're past time. I'll claim this is the last story, and it probably is. I have the version of Johnny B. Good. uh, and, and this is actually one of the most popular versions on iTunes. That's part of the reason I have it. But I also liked how it began, um, where Chuck Berry actually makes them stop and then do it again, right? Mm -hmm. and, and he says, on the piano, on the piano, you're playing Roll Over Beethoven. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. And he says, <laughs> let's, let's go with the abundance of rain. Uh, <laughs> and then you hear them him say, Johnny B. Good, take three, and then that's the legendary Johnny B. Good. Uh, yeah, that that's good stuff. Yeah, I, I, we, everybody likes that stuff. That's good. It's rare to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on another show, we'll discuss whether Johnny B. Good is the most American song ever made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Much love, guys. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks.